Hello and welcome to The First Fill. My name is Katie Meyer and I serve as the Director of Content Creation here at APHA. And boy, do I have a challenge in front of me. I have five minutes to tell you about five updates and the just released 2024 Standards of Care and Diabetes. That's one minute per update. We better dive in. I'm going to start with updates related to type 1 diabetes. A lot of attention has recently been given to screening for pre-symptomatic type 1 diabetes due to the approval of teplizumab in late 2022, an agent that delays onset of stage 3 type 1 diabetes. With that, ADA has refined their screening recommendations to allow for earlier identification of pre-symptomatic type 1 diabetes. They have also added a recommendation to consider teplizumab in select individuals aged 8 years and older with stage 2 type 1 diabetes. If you're interested in learning more about teplizumab, check out our March 2023 podcast. Additionally, several recommendations related to hypoglycemia assessment, prevention, and treatment have been added, including the use of glucagon for all individuals taking insulin. Regular re-evaluation of hypoglycemia awareness and risk and benefits to using CGM in individuals at high risk for hypoglycemia. Lastly, insulin analogs or inhaled insulin are now preferred over injectable human insulins to minimize hypoglycemia risk for most adults with type 1 diabetes. Bottom line, regularly consider risk of hypoglycemia and put preventative measures in place to keep your patients safe. Let's shift gears a bit and talk about prediabetes. As pharmacists, we are always on the lookout for adverse reactions related to pharmacotherapy. Drug-induced hyperglycemia is an unfortunate ADR that occurs with many drug classes, including glucocorticoids, statins, thiazide diuretics, some of our HIV medications, and second-generation antipsychotics. ADA has added recommendations emphasizing the importance for screening for prediabetes and taking these medications. And with our second-generation antipsychotics, we need to screen at baseline and then 12 to 16 weeks after medication initiation or sooner than annually. When you see patients taking these medications, be sure that you always have a fasting plasma, glucose, or A1C available. All right, next topic, bone health. This full section has been updated and several recommendations were added to include regular evaluation and treatment for bone health for those with applicable risk factors every two to three years. Prioritize medications with proven safety for bones when selecting pharmacotherapy for those at elevated risk for factors. Again, to reduce the risk of falls and fractures, prioritize glucose-lowering medications that are associated with a low risk of hypoglycemia. See the common theme? ADA also recommends that clinicians advise people with diabetes on their intake of calcium and vitamin D to ensure it meets the recommended daily allowance. And lastly, consider antiresorptive medications and osteoanabolic agents for people with diabetes who have low bone mineral density with a T-score of less than or equal to negative 2 or have experienced fr fragility fractures. For the rest of the time we have today, we'll focus on pharmacotherapy and monitoring related to commonly occurring comorbidities in people with diabetes, specifically obesity and cardiovascular risk management. For people with diabetes who are overweight or obese, ADA now recommends use of glucagon-like peptide 1 receptor agonists with proven effectiveness for weight loss, such as semaglutide and liraglutide, or dual glucose-dependent insulotropic polypeptide and GLP1-RA terzepatide as first-line options considering their added weight-independent benefits of glycemic control and reduced cardiometabolic complications. 
In the CVD realm, a new subsection related to statin intolerance has been added and includes the recommendation to include benpidoic acid treatment for people with diabetes without established cardiovascular disease who are intolerant to statin therapy. For hypertension, in line with the American College of Cardiology recommendations, ADA now recommends initiating antihypertensive therapy with initial blood pressures of greater than or equal to 130 over 80, and two agents should be added when initial blood pressures are greater than 150 over 90. With that, ADA also recommends monitoring serum creatinine or EGFR and potassium within 7 to 14 days after, in after initiation of treatment with an ACE inhibitor, angiotensin receptor blocker, mineral corticoid receptor agonist, or diuretic. As you can see by these updates, ensuring the best care for people with diabetes goes beyond just blood glucose control. Always keep in mind the full patient, their risks and comorbidities, and actions that you can take to prevent complications when putting together your care plan. Woo, I made it. If you'd like to learn more about diabetes, we just launched a major revision of our patient-centered diabetes care certificate training program. It covers all of this and much, much more, and is now available in an interactive e-learning format. I would definitely encourage you to check it out. Thanks for listening.